Hello and welcome to the Pondering Theologian podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. In this episode, we start a two-part conversation with Danny Postma. Uh, you may remember or you may recall in a episode last year, uh, Danny came on and shared a little bit about her testimony as well as her work in her doctoral program, which is studying the concept and learning about the concept of refugia. Um, I'm not going to get into that. If you are curious about that, please go listen to the interview series from last year. Um, Danny is uh, dual enrolled currently uh, in graduate programs, so she is working on an MDiv, which she will wrap up in a couple months here, and is almost... Uh, past a year or a full year into a doctoral ministry program. And uh, again, if you are curious about either of those things, go uh, check out last year's interview with Danny Postma. Um, She is in the ordination process. She has married and has four fabulous children and is just one of those people that is very involved in and active in the kingdom of God in many different ways and different facets, and is a leader in various places. And she has this passion for nature, sustainability, for the kingdom of God, for creation. And so I invited her to come back and share with us a little bit about that. So without further ado, we will get into the episode, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. So, welcome back to the podcast, Danny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Last time you were on, we had um, quite the range of conversations, kind of just a little bit of your testimony and background, but then also um, what it is you're studying in your doctorate program uh, in refugia and these different concepts. Um So I'm very excited to have you back for today's episode and again, kind of shift more to thinking about the church's role and Christian's responsibility within nature. And there's a, there's endless debate in the world about what it means to be environmentally friendly or to go green or be sustainable, to be a eco-conscious person. Um, And that could just easily be understood by looking at the divide within the Western countries, uh, if we think of like the Paris Climate Agreement, um, let alone the United States, it's its own divisive divisive topic. Um, When you think about this topic, what definition do you have in, in your heart or in your mind that you work within? Well, the tricky part about that is that some of the buzzwords in environmentally friendly or like creation care, other things like that mean very different things to different people. So it's helpful to try to define what you're talking about, actually, 
as you're using these words, but um, if we consider the options like eco-friendly, stewardship, sustainable, sustainability, things like that, currently I sort of land in sustainable or sustainability, but think that I prefer to include the word holistic with it. So like holistic sustainability, mm-hmm. because especially within like churchy places, sustainable can mean finances only. It can have nothing to do with um, environmental care. And so when you throw in holistic, for me, that captures the fact that there is no clear line between caring for the environment and caring for the created world and anything else because it's all connected to everything else that we do. And it is inextricably connected to our faith in general and how we should live it. Okay. Why do you like that term better coming from a a Christian standpoint over, um, right, like creation care? Because that's a kind of a Christian-y buzzword. Yeah, creation creation care to me can carry sort of a condescending undertone that Mm. the reason we should care for creation is because we are superior to it. And the only way it can be cared for is through humans, which I do not believe is the case. And also it ignores the fact that creation has a lot to offer to humans um, and cares for us as well. And so sustainable and sustainability, I think is helpful because I'm doing currently some work that it sort of like treads between the like business world and the faith world and sustainability is transferable. It's a transferable term that is understood in both worlds. And so there's a little bit less translation and just, yeah, a little bit of specification, like I said, but a little bit less translation between worlds, which can be convenient. Yeah, certainly. Um, so kind of digging more into that, uh, side of it though, with, with church and creation, um, I would like to come back to, to that, um, connection between the different parts of like the business world and the church. Um, but when you, when you think of the, the relationship of the church to creation, you, you mentioned this condescending nature that we can have Um, a lot of people get hung up in genesis where it talks about um taking care of of all of these things the the creatures and the trees and thinking that we are just born to be gardeners and farmers um do you think that we are, are are stewards that we are simply given all of this as some gift to control or are we just playing in someone else's sandbox you know what is the church <laughs> or the christian relationship to creation and, and nature mm. that's a great question and a great thing to consider that i hope everyone listening takes some time to think about um in general like i said i don't think that it's a one-way relationship that um i i mean 
yes, creation is a gift to us, um, but sort of a gift to us just as all other relationships in our lives are gifts to us and can be if cared for well. Um, and again, not a condescending kind of care that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a reciprocal and sort of a posture of reciprocal respect. Um, I would say that I believe that God, it's worth paying attention to that creation was first, that God made the created world, animals, planets, universe, all of it before making humans. And there can be sort of a, a human uh, centered or anthropocentric, if you want to use the million dollar word there, um, attitude towards that of, well, because we are so special, God created all of this just for us. And depending on how narcissistic you are in receiving that, I think that can be very true. Um, I think that it that that's not wrong, but also it goes a little bit farther than I think makes sense. Um, I think also God created and creates because that is God's nature to create and creation is ongoing in the world and universe today. So I would say maybe we could consider that God created just because he loved the things that he was creating and we should maybe value them as such that God created the earth and all that is here. And because God saw that it was good, felt like, Hey, there's another good, good thing I can create in people in humans. And they can help me care for this great stuff I've made. So maybe a little bit less centered on it was created for us and more centered on it was also created. Um, I like the posture personally of considering ourselves as co-creatures with animals, plants, other created things that maybe equalizes the, the playing field a little bit there. And yes, we are told throughout scripture that humans are created in the image of God. And so that does make us distinct. But again, doesn't necessarily mean um, superior in the ways that I think humanity considers things mm -hmm. superior. How's that for an answer? <laughs> that was a great answer. Um, it, it kind of fits in with the um, what has been kind of in my mind lately when I consider the creation story. Um, I have been kind of in this mind uh, when I go to write a sermon or when I'm thinking about the Bible uh, or a text and thinking cover to cover, what does the Bible say? Cover to cover, what is the holistic picture of what is being said? And thinking of the creation story, um, creation um, in all that was was created before humans was this good creation. And the Garden of Eden was beautiful. And 
I mean, we don't know how wide it was, but my assumption is that the garden, if 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 we think of how far and how vast and how wide it was, I imagine it was pretty substantial. Um, and Adam and Eve were in this place to care for it and all of creation. So there's also could be the argument that the Garden of Eden was just Earth. Um, and that, that could be controversial, and I don't necessarily need to <laughs> go too deeply into that. Um, but on that line, uh, Blaise Pascal uh, had once said, nature is an infinite sphere whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. And I really like that in this. But continuing on kind of um, the cover to cover, uh, when we think of what will happen at the end of times and and what will be the result, a more scriptural, scriptural um, accurate idea is that we will be restored to the new creation, to the new earth. And in that it talks about, and I'm, I'm blanking where, in the Bible, it specifically says this, um, but that all of creation will be restored. So humans, though we are created in God's image, we and nature will all be restored at the same time. What happened in Genesis at the fall will be completely reversed, and that is that is the end goal. That is what happens, and I think that uh, to your point. Puts us on a little bit more of a more in our place if we think about it that way. Like it's not just I am going to be restored, but me and the tree in my backyard will all be restored in the new creation. Mm -hmm. So, just as you were, were were sharing, that came to mind. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, I don't remember the exact place. It isn't. There is definitely a passage in Revelation that clearly states that, that all creation will be restored. Um, obviously there's the, in Peter, where he talks about um, like, you know, the fire where people get confused. I think that means like the earth will just burn up and it, a new one will be made when yeah. really that's uh, like a- A cleansing um, fire. Yes, it's a refining fire to- right. Like the burn cult. away all of the, the, you know, basically sin and greed and bad things that humans have brought into the world. So a restoration yeah. that way. And yes, all of creation with us is, is a constant and faithful way to read and interpret the Bible. So mm -hmm. thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, it's my little bit of my soapbox lately. So I <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to, to throw it in here. Um, yeah. there, there is one other quote I thought of um, while talking here, because you had mentioned um, make us all equal uh, in our thinking. Um, I think it's Will, Will Durant says something to the effect of nature has never read the Declaration of Independence. Um, <laughs> It continues to make us unequal and i think that's just a another fun reminder that there's there's nothing that we actually do to control nature um yeah i love that um 
shifting kind of back to the train of thought we were on before my my little rant here uh is there a difference for you between what the responsibility is for us to care for nature as individuals and then as the church institutionally or collectively however you want to define the church yeah that's a tricky one in that it's sort of a both and um so the difference is that sometimes i mean yes individually we should be doing all of these things we should be caring for we should be caring for nature. We should be getting to know nature and interacting with it. Um, that is a huge part of where I hope the responsibility of the institutional church and the collective Christian community can do a little bit better job is providing spaces and ways to connect with creation um, because that's sort of a key part of you care more about anything that you know the name of right? Like you, if you know someone's name, that instantly is more of a relationship and a deeper level and an increase in caring. So to be able to have specific references when people talk about climate change or environmental disaster or things like that, if you have specifically named places or plants or animal species, um, that it can just radically change and make it more personal and more real, mm -hmm. the, the work that we're doing. So like, you know, for instance, uh, in my local area, there was recently over the last summer, the rusty patch bumblebee. So a very specific kind of bumblebee was spotted in some of the recently reclaimed and like restored prairie areas and those specific bumblebees are endangered um, and were borderline and extinct. And then finding them, seeing them, a group of students actually were some of the first to identified, hey, this bumblebee looks weird. Asked their professors as they were doing this, what's, what's up with this? It's a rusty patch, so it's a big, big deal. But like having a name for that and knowing that specific species of bee changed the like the way people were approaching in my local area um caring for their land even in like yards and stuff there's been an uptick in um planting um planting things for bees and monarchs and other pollinators to mm. to stop and be cared for in just backyards and other personal spaces Okay, so back to the initial question, because I got a little sidetracked there. So responsibility differences from like the individual to the church institutionally and collectively. My hope is that church institutionally um, would actually be helping individuals and empowering them and educating them. Hmm. However, uh, currently it seems to be the other way that individuals may be doing things like actively participating in recycling and you know maybe considering putting solar panels on their homes or restoring yard space to be native plant species or planting extra things for pollinators but then when you get to the church collectively it's like that all disappears because it's too hard to navigate within the 
bureaucracy and systems that exist within churches to do those things, or it feels like just too much work at that larger scale. Um, but I think that there should be more responsibility at the collective level, because if, if the church together isn't able to do things, then what's, what's the argument for the existence of the church in a lot of different ways? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a little provocative. Sorry for throwing <laughs> that at you. <laughs> but... um, I think it's a good question, though, right? Um, what is the point of the church? Which is something that uh, many places are wrestling with right now. What is the actual definition of the church? What is the point of the church? Is it just this old stone building or old wood building that is a monument to what was? Um, that is something in in my area that has been asked uh, of of people in, in uh, my denomination because there's so many um, small, close to dying churches that are holding on, but holding on to an to what was and so what is and what was is not the same so they are more of a monument um and and that that would be a conversation for another time i suppose but i think it does raise a great question in this area of is the church meant to be something that gets kind of caught up in the politics of the issue or is it a a sign to the church to look more toward living into that biblical um call or commandment or or innate um responsibility to be in and a part of nature um because as you were talking, I was thinking of a few churches that I know that they specifically work to make sure that come springtime, they provide seeds for um, parishioners so that they can grow victory gardens or they can grow three sisters gardens where they can grow something that will give them a little bit of food a little bit more food security at some point and they do the same with their land they have gardens that what isn't used by parishioners will be donated to the community but they're often categorized as kind of more your liberal um you know hippie commie whatever derogatory <laughs> political uh, term you want to throw at them but that that is more their oh you know, a leftist group of christians if you can call them a christian uh, you can tell that it irritates me um or even uh, thinking of a pollinator garden uh they're the churches that are pushing more the here's a pollinator garden with specific pollinating plants native to our area which is another issue i have for another time churches that well we'll save that for another time um but right, what is the church's position? Do we worry about the politics of being too left or too right? Or do we just focus on what the Bible calls us uh, to be or what is innately in us if we pay attention to it, to be active parts of the creation that we were created in? 
Right. I think there's opportunity here. Yes. As with all things in, especially the United States right now, it's very easy to have anything and everything be politicized and weaponized and divisive. That should not be what the church is. Um, and this is an opportunity, I think, for the church to model stepping beyond that, because there are there are so few things that everyone has in common, but we do all live on this planet and there is a growing consensus even among more conservative theological groups that, yep, climate change is real. This is happening. Pollution is bad and um, other detrimental things to the earth are bad. And God does not want us to just trash this place as we're going. So there is, I think, a unique time and space emerging right now for us to actually find unity in something. And how, right, the methods are going to be different across the theological spectrum. But if we can all just get on board with the very basic fact that actively harming the planet is not something that God likes, then I think there's space for that to be a good way to actually bring people together on something, seize that opportunity to be aligned in something that everyone can get on board with regardless of political affiliations. And then it just puts you next to people that maybe you wouldn't be and makes you remember that these are real human beings that are our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can, our full siblings in Christ, that we can just work alongside. And maybe there's potential for more unity across the board, starting from here. Once again, there are gonna remain those pockets of theological thought that really do just fully embrace the, well, it's all gonna burn anyway, so not really our primary goal. And I don't think that there's much we can, like, I don't see the point of is exerting a lot of energy trying to persuade them to jump on board. I think we just do what we can with those who we can join with. And again, that's where the benefit of using words like sustainability that are transferable to maybe city government policies or other things like that can be helpful for the church because then it becomes a more universal thing that we don't have to translate for people just living in our neighborhoods. We can be like, hey, we're making some sustainability choices for this place or space and want you to join if you want to. Sort of an opportunity to be good hosts and, and invite others to join us in the work we're doing in the neighborhoods that God has placed us in. Yeah, <clears throat> I like that, uh, that framing of it a lot. So this concludes the first part of my conversation with Danny Postma. Uh, tune into the next episode for the rest of the conversation. As uh, we continue on, know that I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get your thoughts, your perspectives on this, as well as any questions you have for Danny that I can pass along, either to invite her back to answer or that 
uh, we can get into an article over on the website. So down in the show notes is all the contact for the podcast. Please go check it out and reach out either through email, social media, the website. Would love to hear from you. As always, know that God loves you. There is nothing that anyone can ever do about that. We'll see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.